1926, two organizations were born that would shape the future of performing arts in Youngstown, Ohio. The Little Youngstown Symphony performed its first public concert, starting a legacy that would become the Youngstown Symphony Orchestra. Later that year, the doors to Stambaugh Auditorium opened for the people of Youngstown and surrounding areas. These are the stories, performances, and conversations of artists and supporters of these historic organizations. This is the 1926 Podcast. Hello and welcome to the 1926 Podcast. Today we'll hear from Carl Topolo. Carl is the guest conductor for the February 4th Broadway and Beyond Youngstown Symphony Orchestra Concert. Tickets for the concert can be purchased at youngstownsymphony.com. Now, let's welcome Carl to the show. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Can you share a bit about how you got your start in music? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, I grew up in a household that loved music, and my brother was an excellent pianist by the time it was time to give me an instrument, so they gave me a clarinet. And so I played the clarinet ever since, and we'll be playing it at the concert a couple of times on February 4th. Nice. And you famously have a, a red clarinet. Is that the correct color that I'm I'm saying? Red, white, green, and blue. And they can be coordinated into red, white, and blue, red, white, and green, red, and green, white, and blue. So anyway, there are various possibilities within those four colors. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah. And so as, as many folks that we've had on the podcast do, it sounds like you have... Well, you grew up in a musical family and you have a musical family now. Is that correct also? Yes. Yes. Awesome. Um, my wife is a uh, tap and jazz dancer and teacher. She's also founding president and CEO of the Cleveland Pops. So we work together. Uh, my older daughter is a violinist with the Charlotte Symphony. And my younger daughter um, enjoys playing just for fun in community orchestra in the Cleveland area. That's awesome. So obviously you have always viewed, you know, the value of, of music and music education. Absolutely. Uh, how did you find yourself founding the Cleveland Pops Orchestra? Every year the Cincinnati Pops or the Boston Pops would come to blossom and have huge crowds and enthusiastic audiences. And we thought, well, why can't we do that here? Sure. And we did. Seems simple, but, but <laughs> it was a huge undertaking, which my wife really was responsible for. And uh, we bounce ideas off each other all the time as far as programming, guest artists, all sorts of things. So it's been a very interesting and um, worthwhile adventure. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. How long um, from the inception of that idea did it take to get an orchestra on stage? That's a good, very good question. I would say two years-ish, 94, and then October 12, 1996 was opening night. Do you remember what was in the repertoire that you guys played on opening night? Sure. Uh, we had Jack Jones, who was a, um, I don't know, if, I don't know if he's still active, but he was a very well-known sort of popular singer in sort of the... Um, Dean Martin, Tom Jones, Frank Sinatra sort of generation. So I have read that extensive audience involvement is included 
in your, your pops concerts. So what does that usually entail? And can we expect some of that on February 4th? Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be, nobody's going to come on the day to answer anything. But, you know, there'll be some uh, participation of either singing or shouting or doing something along with what we're doing. And anybody in the audience is, is encouraged to, you know, sway, move around, tap their feet. Remember when I was in New Orleans, people would get out of their seats and dance around, you know. <laughs> so whatever moves them is good by me. Love that. And I also read that you have a book. I do. So what was that like writing that? Published author. Well, um, this is something I wanted to do for a long time. And I guess you'd call it a pandemic project. <laughs> so I spent quite a bit of time organizing articles that I have written, had written already, plus sort of consolidating a lot of the uh, ideas that I've had over the years. The The it's called the Orchestral Conductor's Career Handbook, but I've had a lot of, we'll call them non-conductors. Uh, I've had non-conductors of musicians. I've had board members have read the book and really enjoyed it. So I guess the regret is the the has a little bit of a misnomer because people always say, "Well, I don't want to be a conductor. I don't really need to read this." But I found that it's had a nice appeal across the board, and I'm hoping that people give it a shot because it's really a lot of my experiences hopefully human interest and you know how to win a job and how to keep it and uh just do's and don'ts when you're on the podium and just stuff that um hopefully um people might find of interest yeah that's that's awesome i know that it takes a lot of work and dedication and back and forth with a publisher um yeah, to get a book published. So that's that's awesome. And I, I congratulate you on that. That's great. You think you're so brilliant until you see all the red lines come back. <laughs> yeah, of course. Oh, that doesn't work. Anyway, <laughs> I think another thing happened. I kept thinking of things after the book. I was able to squeeze one or two things in at the last minute. And, you know, you always said, well, gee, why didn't I put that in? And I was doing a talk and some fellow may get, gave had a question. He said, "What about outdoor concerts?" And I said, "Oh my God, I really need to have a chapter about outdoor concerts in this book." And I was able to squeeze it into an appendix where it didn't belong, but there it was. And you know, stuff like uh, policy for rain, rain dates, uh, when how an amp a bad amplification system could ruin your concert. And uh, anyway, just a bunch of stuff in there, which is all very practical, even even to the point, make sure you have your instrument and your music when you get on the bus. <laughs> yeah, that's important. And if you're driving, make sure people know so they're not waiting for you for <laughs> run out. Anyway, just a lot of very practical things, real life things that have happened and will happen. Sure, absolutely. Theory is is definitely important, but that real life stuff is is very valid as well. Yes, indeed. Uh, so what do you enjoy listening to outside of the realm of symphony pieces? Um, I like, I enjoy listening to Broadway a lot. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of Broadway. To me, Broadway was like the continuation of Italian opera. <laughs> when uh, in 19, uh, digress a little, 1924, the last, let's say, great Italian grand opera, Torino by Puccini, and then everything went to Broadway. And anytime you stop to sing, 
it's not really a natural thing. Sure. So, so whether it's Broadway or opera, I think it's a huge extension of, of music theater and opera being sort of a, its own brand of music theater. So I enjoy that. Um, uh, I enjoy jazz. I enjoy playing jazz. Mm-hmm. Great, you know, anything that's good. I had a, just between me and you, I had an interesting moment. I can't say I'm a huge fan of, of country music, but I heard a country music song that Connor sang actually at a, at a, when we opened up the theater with a small group, he sang uh, Bless the Broken Road. I said, mm-hmm. my God, this song is really, really good. So I'm, I'm remaining open-minded, let's put it that way, <laughs> and, and willing to listen to, to, to anything. As long as, it's, as, long as it, it resonates, it's good. Yeah, and I think that's what makes a good musician as well, is keeping that open mind and, you know, just going with whatever sounds good to you. There you go. So I like that. Yeah. So the repertoire for February 4th, uh, how are those songs selected? What are you most excited to perform on that list? Well, I love playing the two pieces that I'm going to be doing. (laughs) This is a a slight reworking of a program Connor and I did in uh, Fort Worth, Texas. And we took program I said well yeah this really worked and let's replace this one and let's try that one mm-hmm. so um i play a medley from fiddler on the roof which is more like clarinetist on the roof and i have a piece called history of the clarinet part one just like history of the world part one there isn't a part two although i'm told <laughs> mel brooks is coming out with a part two anyway <laughs> i really enjoy playing those pieces and and that and, and working with connor is always phenomenal I mean, he's just so terrific and has such a great appeal to uh, audiences, and and he's charming and personable and fun, and uh, has a you know variety of what he's singing: Copacabana, Elvis, um, Neil Diamond, Broadway, Jersey Boys. So, you know, I think the when we program, we like to have a variety of stuff. So we have um, stuff that he's singing, orchestras playing couple of souls that I have. It's also my responsibility to make sure that the orchestra um, is engaged in what we're doing. It's my job to make sure that it's fun and interesting and upbeat and, and has a lot to it. So, and then the biggest job in the programming is sort of coming up with this sort of balance in the program that, that combines lots of different moods and different sounds. For example, uh, Connor will be singing a song called Adolfo from the Drowsy Chaperone, which is very mm-hmm. funny. And then he follows that up with Bring Him Home from Les Mis, which is uh, very profound. So that's that sort of contrast and balance and how the pieces, the juxtaposition of the, of the music, I think is really important, how it sort of grows and gets to the, the high point toward the end and then the encore changes the mood completely. So anyway, you just have a good time because it's uh, it's it's fun to perform with him, and we always he, he's always a big hit. Yeah, I think that from watching some of the the stuff that is on YouTube, you both have a really great chemistry on stage together, and it seems like you know you're both having fun and you're upbeat, and that definitely translates to the audience. So I'm excited for our patrons to get to experience that. And I think that it's a great way to get, you know, new people into the building and seeing the symphony and learning to appreciate it. I really appreciate you guys both coming to Youngstown and helping us with our our orchestra. And 
you know, is there anything else that you would like to plug or promote? No, just that they come, just expect to have a, a fun time and, and hear the symphony, the versatility of the symphony. They can play symphonic concerts and pops concerts. Like I said, it should be uh, promised to be fun and upbeat, and I think we'll have a good time. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on to talk with us. Thanks so much. You have a great day. Too. Thank you. <laughs>